Welcome to Eat Blog Talk, where food bloggers come to get their fill of the latest tips, tricks, and insight into the world of food blogging. If you feel that hunger for information, we'll provide you with the tools you need to add value to your blog, and we'll also ensure you're taking care of yourself because food blogging is a demanding job. Now, please welcome your host, Megan Porta. Food bloggers, don't forget to check out the food blogging forum style community that we started over at forum.eatblogtalk.com. Finally, there's one place that we can all convene and talk and that isn't scattered all over Facebook. Here are the things that I am loving about it. It is free. It also allows for categorized discussions on all food blogging topics And there's a category for sharing successes, aka self-promotion. So no more holding back about discussing your big wins and things that you're promoting. Also, everything is in one single spot. So no hopping around from group to group. And there's an amazing opportunity to network and really get to know your fellow food bloggers in a single place. So come join the discussions that are going on over at forum.eatblogtalk.com. And I hope you enjoy this as much as I do. Don't forget forum.eatblogtalk.com. Okay, food bloggers, have you heard of Flowdesk, the new big email marketing rage? This is an amazing new option for managing your email subscriber list. It is super easy to use and it comes with gorgeous, intuitive drag and drop templates. And Flowdesk does not charge based on number of subscribers. So your monthly rate will stay the same from month to month. Everyone pays $38 a month or use my affiliate link to get 50% off and pay only $19 a month. You guys, this is a fraction of the price of other email service providers, and you'll be blown away by the beautiful and intuitive templates waiting for you inside. Visit eatblogtalk.com forward slash resources to grab your link. Flowdesk, the stunning new option for email marketing. What's up, food bloggers? Welcome to the Eat Blog Talk podcast made for you food bloggers who are seeking value for your blogs and for your lives. In today's episode, I will be talking to Amy Palangian from yummytoddlerfood.com, and we will be discussing how to fund a maternity leave or leave of absence as a full-time blogger. Yummy Toddler Food delivers healthy recipes and sane, picky eating advice for families and with little kids. Amy strives to reassure parents that they're doing a great job, that it's normal for kids to be a bit of a challenge at the table, and to provide doable recipes that fit into even the busiest family schedule. Amy also co-hosts the Comfort Food Podcast, where she covers these same topics and also diet culture, intuitive eating, and how to find that healthy balance as a mom. This is such a great topic, Amy, but before we dive into it, give us a quick fun fact about yourself. Hi. So um, my fun fact is that I almost became a midwife and not many people know that about me. Oh my goodness. So what made you not become a midwife? So I went to college and I majored in American Lit and I had interned with a magazine. And then after I graduated early and didn't really know what I wanted to do, and I went and did a year of AmeriCorps with Habitat for Humanity. And so I applied to nursing school because at that time, like nurses were in hot demand. It was a very clear path of what you could do with it. And I was really interested in public health and really interested in midwifery. 
But I realized that the reason that I got into a really good nursing school was not necessarily because that's what I wanted to do. It was because I wrote a really awesome essay. (laughs) And so I was like, I can work in magazines and find topics that are really interesting to me and that mean something to me. And so that's what I wound up doing. So I because during college, I'd worked with a celebrity magazine, which was not what I was interested in. And then after after that experience, I found a magazine that was a better. Oh, that's really cool. I like how that one thing kind of led to another and that thankfully you realized it before you got too far into it, that that wasn't exactly the route you wanted to go. I'm excited to talk about this topic today, which is how to fund a maternity leave or just a general leave of absence for whatever reason as a full-time blogger while being a self-employed woman is empowering and freeing in so many ways it can at times be a little bit scary because we're on our own and we don't have those paid leave policies to support us that we might receive when we when we work elsewhere an example of this is maternity leave because after we have our babies we need that time with them and they need time with us I'd say most of the time bloggers will either attempt to continue working after the birth of a baby or we ignore our work for a time and then we feel totally overwhelmed when we step back into it. But you, Amy, came up with a plan so you could have a nice chunk of time to spend with your family and your baby while still getting paid during that time and also not letting the work pile up. So could you start by sharing a little bit about your own story and how you made the decision to fund your own maternity leave? Last year, um, when I was pregnant with our third baby, so I have had a employer-funded maternity leave. I had a maternity leave that I funded, but it was before I was a, a blogger. And so it was more of just like planning ahead with magazine assignments. And so this time was the first time that I was actually pretty much working full time or at least heading in that direction as a blogger. And I didn't want to lose momentum. The month after I became pregnant, the magazine job that I had been working it went away. The magazine was closed. And so I was transitioning into working full time on my site, which had always been my plan, but I didn't necessarily think or know that it was going to coincide with um, pregnancy. You know, I wanted to keep up with the site, but I also really wanted to make some space for myself and not feel like I had to be working like two weeks after I gave birth or a week after I gave birth because I knew how hard that adjustment was going to be both physically and emotionally. And also because, you know, having three kids is a lot of kids. And I, it's just like logistically, I just knew that I couldn't work all day and take care of the baby and take care of myself. Um, because I had done some version of that previously and I knew that it really was not a good way to go. For sure. What are the first things that you thought of? Like once you made the decision to fund your leave of absence, what are those first things that you did? Did some calculations on like the baseline amount of income or the baseline amount of money I needed each month to pay my portion of our expenses so that I knew overall, what number I needed to get to to have in savings to be able to pay for three months of not working. I use, uh, you need a budget for our family budgeting. And so I could, you know, that was a fairly easy thing for me to figure out. And I really like, I trimmed back on expenses. I looked at like, if we weren't going out to eat, if we weren't doing a lot of extra spending, because it was intimidating to come up with a large chunk of money. And so, you know, I was like, well, if we have a new baby, we're not going to be spending like a ton of money on extra stuff. So we can go like, you know, bare bones on this. 
So I came up with that number and then I set a goal to set aside some extra money every month to put into that bucket of savings so that I wasn't getting to like eight months pregnant and having to come up with all of that money at once. I really started from the beginning. So I was like, um, still, I mean, I was still early in the first trimester when I knew that my magazine job had gone away. So it was almost like right from the beginning that I started doing it. You had it there just in case something was not to work out. But I like also that you like trimmed back on your budget. I think that's so important when you're doing something like this, just seeing like, what are we not going to be doing? You knew that you weren't going to be eating out probably a whole lot. So just seeing where you could cut back. And I think that was really smart. I mean, and I also wasn't making full-time income on my website at this point. So it really, like I needed to set that money aside because I wasn't sure that that was going to happen in a relatively short amount of time. So do you rely heavily on ad revenue? And like, what were you relying on from your blogging monetarily? So at that point, I was making um, like the most, the biggest source of income from the website was ad revenue, but I had only been working on the site for about four months in a, what I would call a real way. You know, my site had been on Squarespace. I didn't have recipe cards. Like I really didn't know what I was doing. And so that spring, um, the spring that I became pregnant. So in 2018, that's the right. Yeah. 2018. I like, I listened to everything I could about SEO. I really, you know, I needed to figure out how to do it the right way. So my site, I had been with my ad network for, maybe a month when I became pregnant. So I just didn't have historical data to, uh, to know what was possible. Yeah. So you just kind of like set everything up in the quote right way to kind of set your set the stage for leading up to it basically. So you kind of like dove into SEO and some things that you hadn't previously focused on. It's kind of like a framework, like you were setting up a, you know, setting the stage, like I said before, for success. Yeah. And I really, at that time, I was just determined to turn the site into something that could actually be my job. So I wanted to do it the right way. So getting all of those ducks in a row was really important. Definitely. So speaking like blog wise, what are some of the first things that you considered once you made the decision to fund your leave of absence from blogging? So we're talking like systems, outsourcing, those sorts of things. Um, So that summer I started working with a, with a virtual assistant company to handle my Pinterest. So they did all of my scheduling. So I was planning on continuing to use them. They at the time were making extra new pins for me each month, which was really helpful. So I, as I got closer to my leave, I just made sure that I had all of the lists ready for them and they knew my schedule so that that was pretty seamless. Um, I worked on planning out three months of content. And so I had three I think it was about three posts a week. And that was a combination of revised and optimized old posts and also new ones because I wanted, I didn't want anyone who was on my site to be able to tell that I wasn't working actively. So I wanted it to seem like it was still functioning the way that it usually does. Um, And that, you know, you could obviously, that's probably more than you would need to do, but um, I just wanted because the site was still so new in its sort of real format, I wanted it to sort of continue going. So I had those posts scheduled out. I made a calendar 
I mean, I had my regular planning calendar and then I also started writing the calendar up on a whiteboard on, in my office so that I could see it visually. And that became really important once I had the baby, which I can talk about in a little bit. And then one other thing with scheduling is that I made a plan pretty early on to, to hire out all of my Facebook scheduling because I didn't, I mean, that's, it's not a ton of time a week, but I for sure did not want that to be my responsibility. Um, and then I started using Planoly to schedule Instagram. So I had sort of my baseline Instagram posts scheduled for three months with corresponding to all my new blog posts. And then I, um, you know, could fill in if I wanted to post anything else. Planoly is huge. I know a lot of people that use that just not even for leaves, but just for like, yeah, regular, <laughs> regular yeah, life. Awesome. And it is nice, not even speaking about maternity leaves, just to have a bank of content, whether it's on your blog or Instagram or Facebook or wherever, just planned and kind of done. So I think utilizing those resources is great for a leave, but also I can see, and we'll talk about this later, but how that can carry over into like your real life once you're back and like, oh, that was really nice to have that scheduled. Um, so you had Pinterest kind of taken care of. You hired out Facebook, which I think is really smart because like you said, it's not a ton of time, but it's just like one of those things you just want off your plate, especially if you have other things to focus on. And then I also liked your idea about the visual calendar, just like at, during your leave, did you kind of refer to that as you went along or did you completely ignore it I mean were you kind of hands-on during your leave or how hands-on were you oh for the first six weeks I really tried to keep my computer closed as much as possible I did check things like once a day just because I'm pretty type a and I just wanted to make sure that everything was working the way that it should be and that traffic was sort of you know humming along. Um, but I had that whiteboard up with, so like each month I would fill it out so that I knew without having to go onto my computer, what, what was coming up that day. And it made me like, I could just walk into the room, glance at the calendar. I had knew what was going on, but I didn't have to engage with everything else that's on my computer, which was like, it's such a small thing, but it made, it made me feel like I knew what was happening, but that I wasn't working. Like, because when you do open your computer, for me anyway, it's like uh, this whole world floods. Like, oh, maybe I could look at this. Well, while I'm in here, I could peek at that. But just having a non-computer related calendar to glance at, I think that's brilliant. What a great idea. It's like a kind of a way to keep like half of an eyeball on it, but not your full attention. And you're not getting, yeah, you're not getting sucked into the rabbit hole. You're just, it's like on your own terms. It's right. I love that. So you can kind of like, as a type A individual, you can kind of cross it off, know that it's done, know that it's published without like really diving into the world of technology. Did you have any other systems or help or outsourcing that you utilized kind of leading up to your maternity leave? Um, no, it was really like the getting the social under control and really I wasn't doing video at that point. So that was also sort of helpful because that was just one last thing to have to work Yeah, about, absolutely. So. so what about like automating or, you know, like automating emails or did you kind of hop in once in a while to tackle emails? Because I know sometimes there are those emails that you feel you just absolutely have to be the one to send. What did you do with that? So I had an out of office on. Um, my email, which I highly, highly recommend. I know that some people that's, it can be a little bit scary because you don't want people like, especially if it's like brands that are reaching out to you, you don't want them to see that you're not working and then go move on to someone else. 
But I think that having that up there just gives you a window of not having to respond to anything immediately. And if you say you're on maternity leave, like nobody wants you to be working when you've just had a baby. Really, nobody does. And and so that that's a, sort of an important boundary. And then I also put a message on my contact form, like right at the top of the form saying that I'm on maternity leave. Please be patient with my response times just so that if anyone was contact me, contacting me through there, they would see it. And to be honest with you, it didn't always register, but it made me feel like I was taking some steps to communicate with people. And then I didn't, you know, I really tried not to force myself to work as I normally do. I did try to respond to any questions on recipes that were like time sensitive, but I did not, like I wasn't checking my email all day long. I think that would be something that you could, you know, like have one, I tried to do it one time in the afternoon when my husband was home so that if there was anything like urgent that I needed to respond to, I could do it then. But I was, I really tried to keep my phone away because having it near what, you know, that's just, it's very dangerous. I loaded up my Kindle And I read a lot of books when the baby was sleeping. I hung out in the baby's room and I kept my phone in the bathroom. And, you know, it's like a recipe question is not, I mean, it's, it can be urgent, but it's not urgent in, it's not like a life or death situation. And so you really can just take a deep breath and realize that you are in like a very finite period of your life. People will understand that and it's okay to step back. Um, And I really recommend using that time to read because that was like such an amazing Mm, use. I love that. um, I think I read like 17 books or something in six weeks. I mean, I I was reading like a lot of young adult (laughs) novels because that sort of matched where my brain power was. (laughs) But it was it was really nice. I mean, it was January. Like there wasn't much I wanted to be doing anyway. So that's a great um, use of your time because during that time, it's kind of a really fragile, gentle time and you want to be gentle on yourself. So first of all, I just love that you knew that you needed to step away from work, but also that you just kind of knew that you needed to read. And not only that, but you knew that you needed to read books that maybe didn't require a whole lot of thinking. (laughs) So I love that you were really kind to yourself. And I think a lot of us are pretty hard on ourselves, especially after we have a baby. We're like, well, I'm a woman. I can do this. I've got this. But really, that's not benefiting anyone in the long run. So I really like that you valued not only your baby's time, but your time and kind of like just really focus on what you needed. Yeah, there's so much pressure to just to do everything. And, you know, my goal was always to do like one thing a day. And most of the time that was to take a shower. As the baby got a little bit older, it was like to make dinner or to, you know, make one phone call to a family member or do like one small thing. Like I just really didn't want to be working. I mean, what, everyone knows who's had a baby. You you feel very fuzzy during the day because you're just not getting a lot of sleep and it doesn't help anybody. Whether you're a mom to a newborn or not, when we just have those days when we're down or foggy or whatever, we work so hard to get just a little accomplished. And at the end of the day, we're like, I should not even have worked today. You just know it. You're like, I could have been more productive just not doing anything. So yeah, and the newborn phase goes so fast. And anyone who has a child who's over the age of one knows that. It's like in the blink of an eye, that tiny little person is pooping and peeing all over you and sass talking you. (laughs) So it's just such a 
precious, valuable time. And I sometimes get sad when I think of it. I mean, it was such a happy time, tired time, but also happy. But I always think like, I wish I would have enjoyed it more. I wish I would have taken it in more because it was just so precious and it's so fast. It's really, it's really hard to do. I think having gone through it twice before, I was much more intentional about that. I mean, my, like my memory of my maternity leave is like all in the baby's room. Like I just like stayed in the bed, (laughs) but it's really, you know, it's hard to do. And then I, I do admit that. So we live in Iowa and it was winter and it was so, so cold and we couldn't go anywhere both because it was too cold and because the flu was growing, going around. I mean, my, one of my kids brought it home. Like the baby wound up getting the flu. Like we didn't, you know, it was like there was nothing we could do, but I think had I, like I was doing a little bit as time went on just to make myself not feel like I was totally stuck in the house. But I knew that I was going to make mistakes if I wasn't careful about just because of, I wasn't, you know, operating at my best. So it's so smart to plan ahead so that you can do that work when you are operating at your best so that you can be who you need to be for your baby and for your family during that time. So I love that. So I imagine that stepping away from blogging for an extended period of time is a great way to remove some of those more unnecessary parts of the job. Did you find any clarity that you wouldn't have found without stepping away for a time? I think a lot of us, and I know I've heard other bloggers talk about this as well, that a lot of times if you're not actively working on your site, your traffic can stay the same or it can go up or like it doesn't just because you're putting in eight hours, like no one necessarily knows that. And so, I mean, I really didn't work much for three months and my traffic wound up like spiking in like in a way more. I mean, it was like all of my SEO work from the past seven months had kicked in all at the same time and it coincided with January oh, and like what everyone a relief for you ready yeah and so I was like what is going on um but then so it you know so like my financial planning there was a set of fortunate circumstances that that happened because I suddenly was making full-time income right as I was going on leave but it was just a very, it was reassuring to know that my site is not going to like implode the minute I step away. I've heard that more and more too. I've heard people talk about having to take leaves of absences for whatever reason and they come back assuming that things are just going to be like gone or imploded or something and the opposite happens. So it's not the case that if you step away for whatever reason it is that your site is going to lose traction because sometimes and like in your situation it actually does the opposite and I think that's great um yeah it was lucky I think (laughs) and also hard work because you worked really hard up front for that it was yeah just was lucky with the that the timing worked out the way that it did because obviously I couldn't have planned that um I do want to say that it did you know stepping away like that it did put some things into perspective about what I actually like doing the person who had been doing my Facebook scheduling, she was doing it so much better than I had ever done it before. And I learned a lot from her. And unfortunately, that individual had had left the, the company that I was using. And so someone else had taken it over. I mean, I was ready to just have her do it like 
for the rest of time. <laughs> but then like they had switched people and so it wasn't as good, but it gave me, I was like, oh, I could have someone else do this and they would could do a much better job. And so I started thinking through like how I'm using my time and whether there are things that I could outsource that people enjoy more than I do or that it would be worth my money to pay someone else to do it. I mean, without taking a leave, you know, just working regular day to day, I think we all get caught up in like, only I can do this. Only I can write, only I can edit my photos. But I like that that kind of gave you the perspective that you don't have to do it all. And actually, not only that, but someone else could do it way better. So yeah, I think that's a really important thing to point out too. So what other things? So Facebook, was there anything else that just was like glaring to you like, oh, I could pass this off or maybe I don't enjoy doing this as much? I mean, this is sort of an ongoing thing. I think about Instagram a lot and I, I know a lot of bloggers do because it has become such an important platform for s- social Uh, for sponsored posts. And I have a lot of mixed feelings about it because I find, at least with my account, it, it demands a lot of sharing in stories about my personal life. And I don't always want to do that. And, and so, I mean, it, I was more aware of it then that it felt like that was just too much. And so I do not have the answer to this, (laughs) but I think that was sort of the beginning of me really thinking hard about, how I want to use my Instagram account and what purpose I really want that to serve. And I sort of like try something new uh, almost every month because I don't, you know, I don't have great engagement on all of my posts. And I think it's because I don't spend a lot of time talking to the camera. Um, like in my niche, that is like a very, like a lot of people do that. And so it's, that's a struggle, but I know that that's not the story of my business on that one app And I think that having that clarity of knowing that, like, I, you know, that's important for many reasons, but that is not the only thing that's important. And so if I want to step away from that, um, that that is something that is totally fine and it's totally fine for anybody to do. Mm -hmm. Yeah, there is such a stress on that, isn't there? Almost like a pressure to be on those stories. And I go through spurts where I feel comfortable and like I want to do it. And then I go through a lot of periods of time where I just don't like I literally just don't feel like doing it like I could push this right now and go find something interesting I suppose to but why do that if I'm not feeling it then why should I so I feel that struggle too and I've not had a step away from blogging like you have but all the time I'm like what what am I supposed to be doing here (laughs) so I just I just kind of go with my gut honestly like am I feeling it today no then don't do it it's okay not to do it. Yeah. And I, I think when you're in the position of like, not, you're not really supposed to be working, like having that permission to just give yourself, like, you don't have to do it. You really don't have it's to do it. It's not everything. Totally and it's, it's right. not everything about your business. Your business is so much more than a single part of a one specific platform, I think. But a lot of people are on there all the time. And that's great. I mean, if they're feeling it every day, I think that's awesome. I love going on and looking at the stories and seeing people's fun, wacky, (laughs) messy lives. It's fun. But I'm with you. So I think social media is kind of an okay thing for bloggers who also decide to take maternity leaves to kind of drop a little bit. 
What are some other things that we could just kind of right now give bloggers permission to like not stress about? Um, I mean, I would say if you get a lot of questions on your recipes or whatever type of blog you have, um, if you get a lot of questions on your posts, like find a trusted person to answer those for you. I mean, that really would be a great thing to have someone else monitor for you. Um, I, I think, I mean, I think what I had talked about before with just like giving yourself permission not to respond to emails urgently, I think is really something that anyone who's trying to step back should feel entirely free to do. I mean, I feel like we should be able to do that in normal life too. (laughs) Taking a step away from it, I think gives you, like you said, the perspective to kind of allow yourself that when you're in it all the time, we don't allow ourselves permission to do that. But when you've had kind of a chance to free your head a little bit and read books and spend time with your family and do like quote normal things, then we have more of a perspective like, oh, I don't need that. But day to day, we think that, well, I need this. I need this in my life. What am I doing? <laughs> I think it can be helpful to to realize that there are there's always going to be a list of things that you should be doing, but that doesn't necessarily mean that you have to be doing. I mean, I knew heading like when I was pregnant that I should be doing video, like I put that in quotes. And I just at the time, like I had no energy to figure it out. I didn't know how to do it. I didn't want to do it. And so I just took that off of my list at that point. And I was, you know, I knew that at some point in the future, I would have more energy. So I would say like, you know, you can use part of a leave to think through if you, if you have business goals or things that you want to be doing, that's a great time to do it because you may have more headspace to just sort of daydream. But I would not like some, I mean, I know that some people are tempted to use maternity leave as like time to like get stuff done because <laughs> they're like, I'm not going to, you know, I won't have all this other stuff to do. I can finally get to this other project. And I just would recommend that you don't put yourself in that situation. And not starting anything new, like no big new projects. Like you've never done video before. And you think, like you said, Amy, like, oh, I'm going to use this time to start this it's probably not a good idea, especially Uh -uh. if it's something new. And one other thing that um, it just occurs to me that I did make a conscious effort on was I didn't have any sponsored posts up for at least, I think it was about eight weeks. And I was very aware of the ones that were getting close to my due date. Like I had a cutoff point where I just was not going to do any because I didn't want the pressure of having to promote them on social in real time when I like may be in labor or like, I just didn't want that, that extra thing to have to worry about. Um, and for all, you know, all my regular clients, I just let them know ahead of time of what was going on and everyone was totally fine with just taking that time off. So, um, just keep that, you know, Babies don't come on a perfect schedule. So just keep that in mind when you're planning. And keeping as much in control as you can, because if you did have a baby during a sponsored post, that would just be messy. I'm sure they'd understand. I mean, most brands probably would understand, but why even deal with that? Just like keep it, keep it as much in your hands as possible. I think that was really smart. So let's move on then to how you dove back into blogging after maternity leave do you recommend doing this gradually or did you do it all all at once? 
So I did it sort of gradually. Um, so at the time, my husband was on a year-long sabbatical from his job as a professor. And so we had worked out a schedule where he would be with the baby for a, a dedicated slot in the afternoon um, so that I could have a little bit of work time. But I had scheduled... I had some posts that were still scheduled out. And so I wasn't like going back to work. And then suddenly I had nothing planned on my calendar. I tried to give myself like I got back to work and I still had, you know, a few weeks of content in the queue so that I could keep that sort of that planning ahead going because I that's sort of the way that I like to work anyway. I like to be a few weeks ahead. It was, you know, it was slow and I didn't like I didn't dive back into everything right away. I kept some of the outsourcing going, but I was sort of ready. I mean, the first thing that I started doing was recording the, our podcast, Comfort Food, because we took a six-week break, but we didn't want to take a break much longer than that. And so that was a way that I got to talk to another person who wasn't in my house and you know think a little bit, but I didn't have to do too much. And then I sort of started dipping my toe back in and planning out content and shooting some things. And it felt it felt really good because I was still with my baby for part of the day. And then um, he was with my husband for part of the day and I was getting to use my brain. And so this was the first baby also that we were planning on putting into daycare. The other two kids, I'd kept them home until they were close to a year. And I was sort of working full time and taking care of them and I knew that that was not going to work this time. I'm not great at multitasking <laughs> when when other someone else's needs are involved. Like I'm not a good work at home mom with kids in the house. I and it's like I just I know that about myself. It makes me really stressed out. Um, I love cooking with my kids, but I don't love doing it when it's something that I have to be doing for work. So so having that that in place, but he wasn't starting until he was five months old. So there were sort of two months where he was with us and I was working a little bit. So it was just sort of not, I didn't ramp up to back to full time immediately. So I wasn't doing any like big projects or big planning. I wasn't, you know, pumping out content every day of the week. It was still sort of light, which was a nice way to ease into it. And it was also spring. And so we were trying to get out of the house and get some walks and just sort of help with that sleep deprivation. Yes. A little perk up you need. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, I like that you used adult interaction to kind of get back into the swing because oh, I remember that like after three months, we had a baby in the winter too. And we live in Minnesota. So not far from you, freezing cold like hardly anyone ever communicated with me. It was just like an isolating time. And then once spring hit, I was like, okay, I need some adults. I need someone to talk to. So I like that you had your podcast to kind of help you branch out into working and get your toes wet a little bit and then go from there. I think it's so smart to do it gradually. I mean, everyone's going to be different, obviously. And I'm sure some people dive right in and love it. Yeah, I think the gradual thing is probably a better fit for most people. And then also I wanted to comment too on your deciding to put your baby in daycare. I think that each individual is going to be different, but I just think that's so smart that you recognize that you can't efficiently run a business and multitask and really like thoroughly take care of your children when you're doing all of that. So I love I love that you saw that and that you just like 
took the step and did it. Cause I think a lot of moms especially will just be like, I can do this. I'm a superwoman. I can, I can do it all. And then they get so run down that they can't function anymore. Yeah. And like I said, I had done that twice and I knew that it wasn't okay, that it didn't work for me. Um, I think the other thing is that we don't have any family nearby. And so I also knew that the only way that I was going to be able to have any time to myself to exercise or to like take care of myself was, you know, we needed to have that structure in place. And as you say, I know that that's, you know, that's a very personal decision and that that's what was right for us. And it was also, we, you know, we've been using the same daycare for our older kids for six years. And so it was a trusted place. We weren't starting with someplace new. It was definitely a new experience because we'd never had a baby in the baby room. Um, I've never like had that app on my phone that tells me when he's at a diaper change. And I had never pumped, you know, I'd never pumped for a baby either. And so all of that was definitely an adjustment. And it's still like, there's still parts of it that are challenging. You know, now he's like, starting to walk along shelves and, you know, when they report like some that he's doing all these fun things, it is like, a it's, it's weird, but I also still recognize that it is the best setup for our family right now. Yeah, definitely. And it is personal. I also want to point out that this doesn't just apply to maternity leaves because people take leaves for different reasons. So all of this information I think is really pertinent for anyone who decides to step away from food blogging, even if it's just like you're burnt out and you need to step back. So I hope that people listen to this who aren't necessarily taking maternity leaves, but either have taken another leave or are thinking about it because I think all of this applies. Everything we've said can apply to that too. So thinking after maternity leave and kind of beyond that, because I know a lot of mothers with small children are listening right now and also wanting to grow their businesses. Give us your best advice about how to balance work and family on a consistent basis. So my biggest thing is that I try to work during business hours when you know, during a normal work day. And then when it's family time, I try to have it just be family time. Now that I'm not a hundred percent great at that all the time because, you know, I run a kid's food website. And so sometimes I need to have my kids doing something with me. And so sometimes we'll do something on the weekend, but I try to make sure that I'm like focusing on them first. And then if I need to like snap a few pictures that they're still, we're still having a meaningful experience and that it's not all about the work. But so that means like I schedule my Instagram posts to go out during the day when there's no one else here. If I try, if they're on the weekends, I try to have them after the baby goes to bed or like so that I'm not stopping if we're like at a soccer game or swimming practice or something and needing to do something for work. I really try to treat my business like a normal business. I try to not work all the time. Right now I'm like struggling with, I have too many ideas and and it, and I feel like it can be, that can be like daunting in itself. And it's sometimes it can make me feel like I just need to not do anything. (laughs) But I think just giving myself like I am in charge of my business and that means I get to be in charge of what my days look like. And if I don't want to work on a Friday or I want to take a Friday off and keep the baby home, or if my older daughter doesn't have school and we want to go out to lunch, like all of those are things that I am privileged to do because I have 
started this business that I am in complete control of. And I think it can be really easy to lose sight of that and feel like you need to be just working and working and working, but you don't all Especially the time. Especially as our businesses grow, I find that things get a little more complicated because opportunities come up. And like you said, Amy, I am with you. So many ideas constantly. Like I lose sleep at night because I'm like, oh, I have this idea. And then my husband's like, why, why are you so tired? And I have to tell him that I was up for two hours thinking about work. I'm like, that's ridiculous. But it's almost like I get to the point where you said too, where I'm like, is this worth it? Is all of this energy that I'm consuming over like my job? I mean, it's good because I really thoroughly enjoy my job. Yeah, it's like this balance is so hard. Just treating your work hours like work hours and your personal hours like personal hours. I too have that goal, but I rarely fulfill it. (laughs) I think like, okay, my calendar says five o'clock, I'm done but there's so many days when I'm like, well, just this one more thing. And I had this idea. I'm just going to write about this. And I just have such a hard time actually following through. Do you have tips for me? <laughs> I try on my to-do list to have like all of the things that I need to do in any given day. And if I start veering off course and working on something else, I try as hard as I can to rein myself back in so that I am sticking to the schedule that I have like laid out for myself and I'm not wasting my time doing something that doesn't need to be done on that day, which I find can be very helpful. If I get to like three 30 and I've done all the things I need to do, I have a choice. Like I could go and start working on something that's, that's in the line for tomorrow, or I could just be done and like go get dinner started early. And so I try, I have like this massive Excel spreadsheet with my calendar on it. And so I like know what's coming up for the next three months and I can see the things that are going to take more time. And I really try to like back into my schedule so that every day is all the things on my list are things that I can actually get done in a day. I'm not doing more than I need to. And that if I need to be photographing something like yesterday, I spent half the day um, photographing things. And that should be, if I did it right, that should be all of the pictures I need to take for this week. And then I can really focus on just like getting all the posts written and getting all the social copy written and um, sort of batching work that way can help too. I've started doing this new process where I will write out what I want to get done in a week. And then I take that and I kind of like sprinkle it into my days and I leave Friday mostly open so that if I don't get everything done on Monday, it's just not feasible to do it on Tuesday because I'm doing filming or whatever. I put it on Friday and that's worked pretty well. I'm still kind of in the testing phases of that. But I found when I was doing like day to day that I just was putting too much on my calendar. And then I would get really frustrated because I had like two things that I didn't do and I couldn't squeeze them into Tuesday. And I didn't, and I would be like, ah, I just want to like clear it all off and start over. So I'm kind of testing with that too, but it's like there's a balance between like pushing yourself to get things done, starting new projects, getting old projects done, and then also like allowing yourself time (laughs) and energy. (laughs) A lot of things take a lot longer than I think that they will. I have this big like package of posts that I'm working on and it's just taking forever to get like, cause it turned into like, there's the way that it worked out. It's like 12 separate posts. And I'm like, 12 posts is a ton of like, that's so many images to upload. And like every, it's, and I just, I have not been good about, um, giving myself enough time to get that 
to get that done. But I think that it's all sort of a moving target. And, um, I think it's okay if we have to adjust. I mean, I'm definitely not perfect. There's something on my list that has been on there since last week that I have just not (laughs) had the time to do. Yeah. I have one too that I'm like, Oh, it's, it'll probably take me like 30 minutes. And I, every time I look at it, I'm like, dang it, I don't want to do you. Oh, so I feel you. That's all such great stuff. And I think we've covered so much. Is there anything we've missed talking about that you'd like to mention before we start saying goodbye? I don't think so. I mean, I think the biggest thing for me has been like just remembering that even if there are things that I want to do, they don't all necessarily have to be done immediately. And then it's okay to like think on things for a little while and take your time because it's, you know, it's not good for anyone if you rush. So that has been, that has been freeing as a you know, a solo business yes, person. That's great advice. Well, I'm so grateful for your time today, Amy. Thank you for sharing all of your insightful words about stepping away from blogging and how to kind of manage that. So I really appreciate you being here today. Thanks for having yeah, me. Yeah. So before you go, do you have a favorite quote or words of inspiration to share with food bloggers? We get to decide what our work looks like and is and um, feels like on a day-to-day basis. And I think the more that you can remember that, the happier that you'll probably be. Oh, I love it. So simple, but so true. Thanks, Amy. Amy has a list of favorite resources relating to today's topic. These can be found on her show notes page at eatblogtalk.com forward slash Amy P. Amy, tell my listeners the best place to find you online. Uh, So you can find me at yummytoddlerfood.com, Yummy Toddler Food on social, or you can find us um, in your favorite podcast player at Comfort Food. Awesome. Well, thanks again, Amy. And thank you for listening today, food bloggers. I will see you next time. We're glad you could join us on this episode of Eat Blog Talk. For more resources based on today's discussion, as well as show notes and an opportunity to be on a future episode of the show, be sure to head to eatblogtalk.com. If you feel that hunger for information, we'll be here to feed you on Eat Blog Talk.